Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time it's episode 113, and we're going to talk about what's on everyone's minds right now. Fuel prices. Are there things you can do to continue van life when it costs an arm and a leg to go down the road? We're also going to talk about the four-way stretch carpet advantage, which is not some type of a scam, I promise. A tale from the road from Montenegro, and a product review of a, well, really cool fan. Sorry. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. We're going to just jump right into it here. Actually, we're not. We're going to go back a step and say, oops, I forgot something. Last week, I was talking about different ways to pump water in your van, and I forgot a very new and simple and good solution. So I'm going to take two seconds and tell you about it right now. You can buy any number of USB rechargeable pumps now. There's two basic ways to do this. One is it's a complete kit with a shower and a spray nozzle that has a hose and a pump attached to it, and you just drop that pump in any water, a bucket of water, a pail of water, whatever, and you have basically water spraying out. And you can use this anywhere. You can take a bucket with you and wash the outside of your van, or you can use it in your van. I'll have a link in the show notes to the one I use, as well as to a video where I demonstrate how it's used. This is a very good and very versatile solution, and I kind of think you should have one of these no matter what else you have, just so you can do things outside the van. The other is an innovative pump that attaches to those five-gallon water bottles, you know, the kind you used to see in offices that were sometimes called bubblers, because when you took water out of them, bubbles came out. There is a pump that fits right on the neck of those, and that's it. You're done. You basically take your five-gallon bottle of water that you got at the supermarket or wherever you can buy these five-gallon bottles. You put that in the corner, you plop this thing in it, and you press a button and water comes out. It's that easy, and then you recharge it every once in a while, and it's not that often. So I'll have a link in the show notes to that, too. I I was remiss in not including those last week, and I really thought I should mention them, and Thank you to the listener who pointed out that I missed those because, well, they're important. Now, back to what's on everybody's mind, and it probably isn't USB water pumps. It's probably fuel prices. There's stuff going on in Ukraine, and we're coming out of COVID, hopefully, and the supply chain is messed up, and despite what people may tell you, no president or world leader has a great control over gas prices. I don't care who that person is. Gas prices are a global phenomenon, and they're rising worldwide, and we are not looking too good right now. The forecast for the summer was kind of okay until these last few weeks, and I am not the person to discuss the whys and whens of fuel prices going up, but I am somebody who can give you some tips on maybe how to save money on fuel going forward. Now, I have talked about this stuff in the past. This is an always an issue because we drive these big bricks. They're not very aerodynamic, and they don't get very good gas mileage in most cases. Yes, we're starting to get towards electric vans, but they all have very limited range, and there really aren't any vans that are getting 30 miles a gallon out there. I mean, there might be a few here and there, possibly some of the diesels in Europe, and they often use a different gallon than we do here in the U.S., so you got to be careful with the comparisons. But in the U.S., if you're getting 20 miles a gallon in your diesel, you're doing pretty well. If you have a small van like an NV200, you might be getting 25 if you're lucky. Well, but that's not really great gas mileage. I mean, you can do much better in a car. So, hey, there's an option for you. 
don't use your van to travel. <laughs> I know that sounds horrible. This is a van life channel, right? But if you don't need to drive your van to travel, don't. Uh, this weekend, I was driving around to a whole bunch of different places about an hour from my house, and I decided not to take the van. I took my wife's little tiny Scion IQ and got twice the mileage because of that. It's not what I want to do, but, you know, I probably saved 10 bucks just doing that. So that's the first suggestion. If you have two vehicles, don't drive the van. I don't like saying that, but it, it is actually something you should probably do. Now, the next thing to do is just start doing the math. When we had cheap gas, we didn't think about how much it cost to go somewhere. We would just go and buy the gas. Well, it's not like that now. You actually have to do the math on how much your trip costs. And it's really not hard to do. You just figure out how many miles you're going, and that's pretty easy. And then you figure out what your mileage is in your van on average, and then you figure out what the gas price is. And when I keep saying gas, I mean all types of fuel. Diesel, petrol, gas, whatever you're using. That's what I'm talking about. Do that math. Make sure you understand how much it's going to cost. I was planning a trip to Newfoundland and Labrador this summer, which are places that are really really far away. It was a 5,500 mile round trip. And when I did the fuel costs, it was about $1,500 just in fuel. And now I think it's going to be more like 2,000, if not more. But that points out something too. When you do the math, you might see that it's really not that bad. For example, if you had a trip planned to someplace you've always wanted to go, and then, ugh, gas prices go up, do the math, and geez, it's going to cost an extra $50 to go to that place. Okay, is that $50 worth canceling your trip over? You have to figure that out. That's an individual decision, obviously. But you start figuring that out by actually doing the math. So it's time to do that. And now those of you with diesel heaters, it's a little harder to do the math because if you are taking your fuel out of your main fuel tank, that throws off all the numbers. Your gas mileage, your fuel mileage kind of is up in the air. But hey, do the best you can. <laughs> okay, there are places where you can typically find cheaper fuel. First off, sign up for discount programs. Yes, they can be annoying. They'll send you all kinds of email and they can be actually annoying on the road when you can't find the place that you are subscribed to or the place you're subscribed to cost more. Like for example, I have a pilot card for pilot travel centers. And I noticed on a trip I took yesterday that pilot's diesel fuel was 25 cents more per gallon than Thornton, which is another dealer here. 25 cents a gallon when you're buying 25 gallons of fuel, well, that's a few dollars. That adds up. So because I had the loyalty card for pilot, I felt like I should go there, but I didn't. <laughs> I went and got the cheap gas at Thornton. So you got to watch out for those traps. You can always be safe with this with Costco. Costco almost always has the cheapest fuel available in any given area, and they're all over the country, at least where there are people. If you do have a Costco account, and I'm not saying it, it's worth it to get a Costco membership just for guests, but it could be. Uh, see if you can find a Costco. If you've never used a Costco gas station, you have to use your membership card to activate the pump. They're very minimalist gas stations. You just get gas there and that's it. There aren't even windshield washer things. And they often have very long lines. So you have to do the math. Again, is it worth waiting 15 minutes to save 50 cents? You know, probably not. But Costco will often have the cheapest gas. And how do you compare gas prices? Well, then there's Gas Buddy. I've talked about Gas Buddy a few times on the show. Gas Buddy 
is the way to find out gas prices all across the country. It's grown into this big, huge operation. And they have this discount program that I've been using, which is interesting. You apply for this card and you get a Gas Buddy card that's like a Visa, but it isn't. It's a little strange. The way it works is you activate a deal with a Gas Buddy sponsored gas station, and they're everywhere. I've had no trouble finding these deals. And you'll get five cents off per gallon. But the trick is, is that you have to pay with this Gas Buddy card. When you pay with the Gas Buddy card, what it does is take money out of your account that's linked to the Gas Buddy card through the Gas Buddy card. But think about this. If you have a 5% back card from a gas company, well, 5% is 5 cents on a dollar. If gas costs $4, that's 20 cents off. (laughs) So your 5% off card may be worth more than your Gas Buddy card. So again, you have to do the math. And again, these are tiny amounts, but if you have a van that's getting 12 miles a gallon, these tiny amounts will add up. And so all the gas stations have some sort of a discount like this. You know, the BP, Exxon, they all have some sort of a program you can sign up for. And if you get their credit cards, you can often save more money. So look into that. I'm not really recommending any of that. I'm Getting credit cards is always fraught with danger. But it is an option. Take a look at it. If you're always getting gas from the same gas station, you might as well take advantage of whatever they have. The next tip, and this is probably the biggest tip, and it has a lot of advantages with one big exception. And that is, slow down. Slow down. It's not easy. I understand that. It is hard to be the car on the road that everybody else is passing. I know that. I'm on the road all the time. I know what that's like. But if you can somehow drive 55 miles an hour, you can actually save 20% of your fuel in some cases. And that's a pretty big deal. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, it was the law everywhere in the country that 55 was as fast as you could drive. Everywhere, even in the Nevada desert. That was kind of normal, and of course everyone was speeding, but it is a reasonable speed. You will get there. And all right, heck, go for 60, because then you're lined up with time. A mile is a minute if you're doing 60 miles an hour. But you will save fuel. You will be safer, but it will take you longer to get there. And, you know, being in the vehicle for a longer period of time also increases risks. So it's not a perfect solution. But if fuel is your big concern, slowing down will certainly save you some fuel. And this is a freebie. Make sure your tires are inflated correctly. If your tires are too low, like let's say you went off-roading and you took the air out of your tires and you didn't pump them up all the way because the road was rough, that's going to cost you fuel. If your tires aren't inflated properly, the rolling resistance is increased and that will cost you more fuel. So make sure your tires are inflated. Now those are the standard tips for how to save money while you're driving. And there's also, you know, have it make sure your vehicle's tuned up. Don't have a big giant box on the roof, which isn't an easy thing for most of us. Things like that. But there's a psychological way to save fuel costs too. And basically that is to seek out closer places. Maybe this is the summer that you explore your backyard. And I have thought about this. Now, like I said, I was planning this massive trip, this kind of, yay, COVID is over, I can do things trip to Newfoundland and Labrador. Massive trip. I mean, this is kind of a once in a lifetime trip. There was no way I could do this trip in less than a month. And even that was probably pushing it. But now with gas prices high and what's worrying me more about gas prices being high is gas being hard to find. If we get into a situation where we have a shortage, 
that's a whole much bigger problem. Maybe this isn't the year to do that. So maybe this is the year to explore my own backyard. Now, my backyard is the Midwest, and I live in the flattest part of the country, except for Florida. And honestly, it seems like it's kind of boring. But I know that that's my perspective, and that perspective is not correct. There is something interesting everywhere. So I have been doing a little bit of research, and I've actually found a lot of interesting, unusual places right here in Illinois. And so I might spend the summer working on the van and then taking it out for shorter trips to these weird places in Illinois. Like we have a massive monster that was painted on a big rock that nobody knows what it was. We have rivers galore. I mean, the Mississippi and the Illinois are there for the exploring. We have mountains. It's true. Down in southern Illinois, there are mountains. Plus, there's the Great Lakes. You know, maybe a circle tour of the Great Lakes is in order. There are a lot of options for me, and I consider that I live in one of the more boring parts of the country. Wherever you are, I promise there are options. So maybe this is the year that you don't do the 2,000-mile road trip and you do the 200-mile road trip. Both can be just as fulfilling. And one last thing about fuel is stay away from the gimmicks. Anytime fuel prices go up, suddenly there's these magnetic fuel lines and run your car on water and all these scams and gimmicks and additives and all this stuff. Ignore it all. You don't need the additives. You don't need the magnet on your fuel line. And cars don't run on water for any energy gain. They're basically running off your battery with that whole stupid thing. Anyway, forget about all of it. There is no free lunch when it comes to energy. Physicists understand how this stuff works very, very well, and they've already employed all the tricks they can in your vehicle. So skip the gimmicks. They're just going to cost you more money. So folks, I hope that gas prices don't go crazy like is being predicted. I hope, and there are some things, if you read the news, there are some scenarios where gas prices will actually go down this summer. Let's hope that's where we end up. But if we don't, it's not the end of the world. You can still find interesting things to do in your van, fun places to camp, and maybe you're going to find places you never would have even considered because the cost of rising fuel has changed your perspective a bit. That's what I'm going for. Tech Talk. Let's talk about four-way stretch carpet. In my NV200, I covered the walls with four-way stretch carpet. And I did this mostly because the first videos I watched on how to build out vans, that's what they were doing. Later on, I realized that that's actually not all that common. Most people put some kind of cladding on the walls. But four-way stretch has some distinct advantages, and I definitely think you should consider it. Now, it's called four-way stretch carpet, and it isn't really carpet. It's like a fabric, but it's, it's a very heavy fabric. And it is somewhat like carpet, but it doesn't have the backing that carpet has. It's a stiff fabric that you can mold. It's a moldable fabric, and that's what's so cool about it. So you can just put it right on the walls of your van, and then you use either like a, a plastic spoon or very strong fingers or something like that to kind of stretch it and mold it around the different parts, like wheel wells and body contours. It's attached to the walls just with some spray glue. You can use Gorilla Spray Glue or 3M77 or something like that. Any of those will work. 
and you basically you spray the fabric and you spray the wall, wait 30 seconds, and then put them together, and then they're up permanently. One big advantage of doing this is that it gives you a nice, uniform look inside your van without taking up any space. If you're sleeping side to side, for example, and you need every inch to fit in there, well, maybe you should do the side panels in this carpet because then you will not use up any space. As far as insulation goes, well, obviously you're not going to have any room there to put insulation between the four-way stretch and the wall. Although you can, there were a couple of places in my NV200 where I actually put a little bit of insulation. I, was, I had some felt insulation between the wall and the four-way stretch. And it, it made it like a, like a squishy area, but it worked just fine. And this stuff prevents condensation. Even though it's not really an insulator itself, covering the metal with this stuff makes it enough of an insulator that no parts of the van that are covered in the four-way stretch carpet have any problems with condensation. And that is a pretty cool thing. So I'll have a link in the show notes about this stuff. It's called four-way stretch carpet. You usually have to buy it online. It comes in 800 million colors, and I recommend a lighter color rather than a darker color. And it may be a full solution or a partial solution for those of you who don't want to put cladding up everywhere. Tales from the road. Let's see, how long ago was this? God, I think it was 10 years ago. Time is flying. I found myself in Montenegro, which is a fairly new country. And even though the James Bond movie Casino Royale is set in Montenegro, none of it was filmed in Montenegro. It doesn't look anything like that, sadly. It's actually much cooler. We sailed into Montenegro and went by a massive submarine base from World War II that was basically carved into the rocks, kind of like Indiana Jones. We sadly didn't get to tour that, but we saw it, and that was pretty cool. And then we got into town, and we got on the tour bus. Now, I was hosting a group of people, big surprise, and we were going to go up the new road that went over the mountains. This is the new road. I'm like, okay, I looked at the map, I saw the road went up this very steep mountain with lots of switchbacks, and I didn't think much of it. It's just going to be a normal ride. And we got in this massive bus. This is one of those 53-foot-long buses that has the steering in the front and the back. The back tag wheels actually steer. And I thought, oh, good, we've got a maneuverable bus, even though it's pretty big, but we'll have space. And we headed out. Now, it's absolutely gorgeous. As you drive up this mountain, you overlook the bay, and we saw our ship there, and you've seen pictures of the nicest parts of Europe on the water. It's one of those. Big green mountains, a few mansions here and there, some sailboats in the bay. I mean, just really nice, and that alone is enough reason to go and do this trip. But it's also a bit of an adventure. Now, I'm the guide for this trip, right? So there's the bus driver, and then there's the local tour guide who speaks English, and then there's me. That's kind of the hierarchy. The bus driver doesn't speak English. He speaks Montenegrin, which, uh, well, it's Serbian, but they don't like you to mention that. At any rate, we're going up the mountain, and I notice something a little strange about this road. It's a one-lane road. It's a 20-mile-long, one-lane road all the way up the mountain. And I'm thinking, huh, so if this is the road that goes up, how do you get down? And then, as we rounded a hairpin turn, we saw a convertible coming down the hill at significant speed slam on its brakes right in front of the bus because 
They thought it was a one-way road going down the mountain. It turns out that it is the two-way road, the only road that goes up the mountain. And we were taking this massive bus up there. <laughs> okay, this guy does this every day. He's used to it. But a lot of the tourists in their rental cars aren't. So it was actually fairly dangerous because we didn't know what the other drivers knew about this road. And so after a couple of close encounters here and there, I started to notice something disconcerting, and I switched sides of the bus to confirm my suspicions. And that was that as we went around these hairpin turns, the bus driver and the tour guide were hanging off the edge of the cliff. The front wheels of the bus were inches from the edge of the cliff. And if you've ever seen one of these big buses, there's a significant overhang at the front of the buses. Yeah, that was over the cliff. They were literally, if like a hole had appeared in the bottom of the bus, they would have fallen a thousand feet. And here we are, we happy tourists, just smiling along and taking pictures. <laughs> and this was a great trip. I would do it again in a heartbeat, but it may not be for everyone. There was a definite sense of, well, yeah, you get to appreciate the heights. And so as we're going up the mountain, I asked the tour guide, it's like, so um, when are they going to improve the road? I, it, this seems like tourism's growing here and you, you need to have more capacity. And he said, oh, this is the new road. This was just completed two years ago. Over there's the old road. And he points out the window at what I can only describe as a goat path. And apparently that's what folks used to drive up and down before. Like, Wow. Very impressive local drivers there, and an amazing trip. And if you ever go to Couture, which is the capital of Montenegro, you definitely want to take this bus tour. But wait, there's one last thing. First off, the area is famous for its prosciutto, so you're supposed to buy prosciutto. I had some prosciutto at the top. When you get to the top of the mountain, you find a lot of Soviet sculptures, which has a weird history there. And there's kids playing around, and it suddenly becomes like a very rural village atmosphere. And, well, we went to a place to go have some prosciutto. And when I walked in the door, I was like, I've been here before. It was shocking to me, the memory of being in this space, and yet I had never been to Montenegro before. And it took me a minute to figure out why. It was because I have played the game Skyrim. Now, if you have played the game Skyrim, there are taverns all across the game, and they have a very distinctive layout. You go in the door, and there's kind of a loft, and there are rooms to the left and right. This building I was in was the basis for the design for those taverns in Skyrim. And it wasn't that it was this specific tavern, it's that that's the design they use in that part of Europe, and it made it into the game. And it was kind of cool to actually sit at a big long wooden table and eat some prosciutto in an actual tavern from the game Skyrim. And I'm very happy to report that there was no bard. Product Review we're going to talk about the O2 Cool Fan. The, the O2 Cool Fan? I can't even say that. So O2 Cool, Oxygen Cool, I don't know how they pronounce it. They, they are a company that makes battery-powered fans, basically. They make a whole bunch of different kinds. Some are big, some are small, and they're all fairly good quality for out too much money. But I want to talk specifically about one of their fans. Now, I've, I have a few of them. They're all about 30 bucks. It doesn't seem to matter what the size is. <laughs> but they make a really interesting 10-inch fan. 
that I think has applications in van life. A 10-inch fan is fairly large. You can almost think of this like a portable Max Air fan. It's not attached to the ceiling. It's a box fan that you can sit on a shelf. It's called the Treva or Treva, T-R-E-V-A. And I've had this for years. I actually travel with this. I, I have to sleep with a fan on. That's just a thing. And this is the fan I bring with me when I travel. Now, this thing runs on batteries, but it also plugs in. And I usually use it plugged in, and you can fit the plug in the battery compartment. But it also runs on batteries, and I have tried it on batteries, and it will last for days on batteries. What's interesting about this fan is that the blades are designed a little bit unusual. And they produce a lot more air than you would think a small fan like this could. Now, it's $35 currently. I think I paid $30 for it a couple years ago. Why would you want this? You've already got the Max Air fan. Why would you want this portable fan? Well, it's portable. <laughs> you can move it wherever you want. Even if you're outdoors and it's kind of humid and still, you can bring it outdoors with you. Or if you're sleeping in the van and it's a little warmer than usual, you can move it next to your bed. Or you could have it blow cooking gases outside the van. And yes, there are fans that attach to the wall in vans that do the same thing. But this one is only 35 bucks, And you can aim it anywhere you want. It's fairly quiet, it's pretty robust, and it's very small for how much it does. So I like it. If you're looking for a portable fan, this one is one that I can recommend. Again, it's the Treva 10-inch portable desktop battery fan. Now, it has one flaw. It's not really a flaw, but one problem for us in van life. The power adapter is 9 volts. That means you can't just snip off the cord and use a cigarette lighter plug with it unless you get one that adjusts voltage. And heck, when we had Radio Shack, they used to have cigarette lighter plugs that you could adjust the voltage on. I don't know that they exist anymore, but you would need to do that with this fan because if you give it 12 volts, it's going to burn out. But other than that, I think it's a great little thing to have with you in your van. Yes, I'll have a link in the show notes, but it's the O2 Cool Treva 10-inch. A place to visit. You know, I'm always uh, talking about places to visit, and they're almost all in the U.S., and, well, that's because I'm in the U.S., and it's what I think of. I, I try to think of places that I want to go to or have been to that are drivable for me. And I drove to this place from Chicago, but it's not in the U.S. It's in Winnipeg. So a few years ago, my one of my favorite bands, Crash Test Dummies, and if you think that just means I'm old, well, too bad. You're just wrong. Crash Test Dummies is a fine, wonderful band, and they're super nice people. And I wanted to go see their show. Uh, but they only had one show at that time, and it was in Winnipeg, where they're from. Now, Winnipeg is 900 miles from Chicago. But I thought, well, I'd, I'd better take advantage of this. So I drove up there and went through Fargo and, you know, saw all that kind of stuff. And then got to Winnipeg, which is a, a fine place. But I found out that there was this really strange place near there, and I had to go check it out. And it's actually gotten a lot more popular lately. People call it Concrete Henge. It's really hard to describe. I'll have a picture in the show notes, but it is, it's this place out in the prairie where there are some little hills, and on top of the hills are these pylons of concrete, maybe about a hundred of them. And they're just sticking up with no explanation, no sign, and no apparent purpose. When you see these things, you're just like, what is that? Now, I know what it is. I was able to determine from reading online stuff what they were for, and it's not a mystery. We understand why they're there. 
but they're still very strange and they've been there for decades. And it turns out they're getting quite popular as people go there to take weird pictures of them. And at some point, some local poet went around and painted very neat poetry on a bunch of the poles, and you get to read them as you go through there. Now, this is not a park. This isn't a sanctioned site. There's no, like, parking lot there. You kind of just have to pull over on the side of the road and hop a ditch. But it's a striking place, and if you're ever anywhere near Winnipeg, it's well worth checking out, especially if you need an album cover, because that's exactly what this place looks like. And hopefully with some organ music, because it kind of looks like a bunch of organ pipes. <laughs> so that's this place. doesn't have a real name. You can call it Concrete Henge. It's near Winnipeg, Manitoba, and I will have a link in the show notes with the address and a picture, which you must see. It's a very cool spot. Resource recommendation. So a few weeks back, I said, hey, guys, help me out here. I want to go to some van fest type things, some van gatherings, and I can't find a link to any. Anyone have anything? And somebody did find something. So I'm going to share that with you. And it's at the site called Vacay Vans. That's V-A-C-A-Y Vans. And if you go to that website, vacayvans.com, you'll see a thing called events. And they have the complete guide to all van life, schoolie, RV, camper, and tiny house gatherings in the U.S. Actually, it's, it's actually international, but most of the ones listed here in the U.S. Now, this is the largest listing of these that I have found. And it has the whole year listed here. So now it's February. Let's skip February. In March, there is the Melbourne Tiny Home Expo in Melbourne, Australia. There is the Escapers Convergence in Tucson, Arizona. There is the Seattle Van Life Meetup in Discovery Park, which happens all the time. If you're in Seattle, you're in good shape. There is the Buena Ventura event in Ventura, California. There is Tiny Fest in San Diego. There is Tiny House Expo in Auckland, New Zealand. And the Grand Design RV Rally in Spring, Texas. Those are the ones listed here in March. Now, I happen to know there are some others, too. So this is not the most complete list that it could be. But it's a start, and boy, I really hope that they will become the one repository for all of these things. Because we really need that. Well, I need that anyway. So that's vacayvans.com. And there's a bunch of other stuff on their site, too. And vacayvans is a fairly popular site with all kinds of van life tips and tricks and some very unusual topics. For example, my first van life threesome is featured there. So if you're curious about that or looking for your first, well, hey, you can find out information there. But the next article is don't get breast implants. So, hey, that's all there. <laughs> but there's also a list of all these events and you can go check it out and get what you like from there. Well, folks, thank you very much for listening to episode 113. Chicago has just announced the end to the mask mandates, and we won't have to show vaccination cards when we go to restaurants anymore. And while some folks think this is premature, I'm actually secretly excited because I'm really tired of all this, and I hope finally we're getting back to normal, just like I said a year ago. Music, as always, is by Simon Wagg. And until next time, remember the words of David Bobby. The way to happiness may be the small road in your backyard. <laughs>